All right, Coach. Hey, thanks for joining me today um, on this uh, Simple Coach to Coach interview and hopefully a recap of your really good 2022 season. Your first as a head coach, so really in, in, interested in that. Um, I apologize in advance if you hear the dog barking or the lawnmower is <laughs> going, but I got the lawn guys here, so um, no means personal. Um Okay, so I just have to I just have to ask because this is you're pretty unique in this way, and everyone I spoke to pretty much has had some years under their belt as a head coach. So I'm like really intrigued. Like, dude, how was it? <laughs> it was good. It was good. I mean, I I can't complain. The the guys that that were here already came in and and really bought into to what we were trying to do. I think that that's you know, an important part of the process is, is getting those returning guys that obviously I didn't recruit um, to, to really trust in what we're doing and, and set a good example. So they did that well. Uh, we, we got enough wins to show improvement this year. I'm not going to say it was some crazy spectacular year, but, you know, nine wins on the year is pretty good. Reaching a conference semifinal. Um, all in all, pretty, pretty satisfied with it. I'm not going to say I'm super pumped about it because you can always – want more, always want to be better, and we have to get better still um, in a lot of areas, but year one is, is in the book, so I can't complain. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the season uh, a little bit later. So, <clears throat> how long, I mean, you were hired in, like, December, I think? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how long did it take for you to settle in and start being able to really focus in on the program, what you want to do, assessing the players, all of those things that you would need to do before you actually jump into a season. Um, I think it's a little bit tough. I think right away in January and February, it was we had enough contact points with the returning guys to, to develop relationships with them and, and start to understand them as people and as players. Uh, but with so many incoming guys... You know, we brought in 19 new players to the, to the fold, um, kind of doubled our roster in that in that circumstance, that idea there. So, uh, getting into the fall was almost like starting over again from from that standpoint. You know, um, did a lot of of had a lot of conversations about culture and what we expect. And you know, every now and then, I've told some of the guys I felt like we were playing whack a mole a little bit with just those. Those little things that pop up that, that come with dealing with a program and, and so many young guys, uh, but they responded really well. So, you know, I, I want to cheat and say, you know, I was able to focus on the program right away. Uh, but I think that once we got into the fall, it definitely was a learning experience for, for them as much as it was for me um, on how things were going to go. And so uh, never lost sight of the program by any stretch. But uh, I think any first time head coach would tell you that all that additional paperwork and responsibility that comes with being the head guy is, yeah. is uh, not a shock to the system, but takes a little bit longer to do the first time around, as does any task. Um, yeah. So I feel good about the focus we had on the team and the program. Um, and the routines were, were pretty easy. Um, and it, it's not anything that's drastically different from one institution to another from, you know, you got to put together a practice plan. You got to, you know, have a decent scouting report and know what, what you're going into each game expecting. Um, and I think our guys did a good job of, of responding to everything we, we tossed at them this year. Mm -hmm. Did um, 
I mean, did you hear if if your what you were doing was dramatically different than what what had been there in the past? Not in a positive um, or a negative way. I just mean you were doing things yeah. differently. Uh, I think I'm I'm a little bit different. Yeah, just in in my focus a little bit more so on that culture piece and and keeping guys invested. And part of the way I believe in doing that is is probably a little bit more of a heavy rotation than what a lot of these returners were used to. Um, I, I guess I just see that at a lot of, you know, top level institutions, uh, guys that I know that are coaches that, that do the same sort of thing. Um, and I don't know if that was so much a difference from the previous coach um, versus instead of just the, the circumstances of the, you know, the last year prior to me being here, they just had really low numbers on the roster, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, due to circumstances outside of, of that coach's control. So yeah. I think that was kind of retraining a lot of those guys that wanted to go 90 minutes every single game, um, it, that was probably the biggest difference for them in terms of, of what they could expect on a day-to-day on -day basis going into the game. So now what, what do you think, because you just mentioned that just like your roster size, what do you think you'll be able to get up to or what you would be aiming for for an ideal roster size? Yeah, I was going to say I can get up as high as anybody needs me to. I mean, I guess that's, that's something that's uh, – not necessarily what I want to do. Right. right. Um, you know, but no, I'm, I'm fortunate again. I'm in a place here at Transylvania where I'm not told, Hey, you have to have 50, 60 guys on a roster, or bring in 20 guys a year. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have that roster pretty consistently around um, 33 to 35 players. I would say, right. um, you know, we had 34 this year, a um, couple guys with some significant injuries that, that never really saw the field. Um, so you figure somewhere around 32 active guys. Um, I think it's a good good place to be for me. Yeah. So what did you learn about yourself as a first-time head coach? That's a loaded question, man. That's a. Wow. Oh, you a know what? One. I'm not easy. I've become. You know, I watch all the greats in in interviewing style. Charlie Rose, and I don't know who else. I just think Charlie Rose. So. Yeah. Um. I think on a personal standpoint, it's, you know, I, it was fun for me as the assistant coach to occasionally be that guy that brings in the crazy idea. We're going to try this or we're going to try that and kind of let somebody else make that final decision. Um, and so <laughs> there were some moments here where uh, it was it was entertaining and nerve wracking for myself to to be the guy that makes that final decision. Um, you know, it, it's very, very rewarding. It was a lot of fun, but I think the first couple times you're in those spots, it's like, man, we really about to do this. You know, we changed systems a couple times going into big games and didn't necessarily have as much practice in those systems as I would have liked. Um, whether it's a basic substitution or something like that, um, even down to, to how you handle those one-on-one -on -one meetings and things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing I learned was just to go ahead and trust what, what I believe in, you know, the times that I may have faltered in, in my own self-belief at times or the times I should have gone, man, I, I really just should have gone for it there. Um, Cause when we did go for it and, you know, my assistant and I kind of went with our guts, it, it worked out most of the time. So I think that's the biggest thing from a, a coaching perspective. And then on a personal front, I think it's one of those things that, you never really know until you know, but I, I felt like I was ready. I felt like it was a, it was a good step for me. Um, again, spent six years in the same program with the same head coach and, and had a lot of fun. Uh, and then, you know, venturing out on your own, you're, you're never really quite sure. So 
Uh, I think it's yeah. it's fun now to say like, hey, I've got that first season under under the belt. I feel good about it, yeah. and, and I know what to do moving forward. So, well, expectations, right? You're never quite sure what your expectation is to be a head coach until you become right. a head coach, right? Like, yeah, because um, you're always outside looking in. So, because I keep asking these, what was your biggest challenge for the season as a new head coach? Um. I think for me, it was just the, the institutional patterns, um, not good or bad, just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the different, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was a, an adjustment in training schedule or a different process to, to just change when you want to train or, or where you're going. Uh, you know, the, this conference that we're in, that I'm in now, the Heartland has a little bit of a different pattern to it uh, than, than the OAC where I came from. So learning those sorts of things and uh, figuring out kind of really what what the right way or, or my opinion what the the best way is to go through those those different processes uh, was the biggest adjustment you know first time you go through them everything you know I'm, as anybody knows the first time you go through something takes longer than it does the the second time or the third time and yeah. hopefully that, that time to completion continues to shorten throughout your uh, the more and more you do it so i think that that was my adjustment here is just finding the new pattern finding the new rhythm and mm-hmm and how people here like to do things and what the expectations are. This will be my last of the philosophical questions here. Okay. Like what's the, what, I mean, I'm always curious, like what did you learn about the program that you might not have been aware of before you came in, right? Like, yeah. was it the guys? You were just totally surprised by the, by the folks on your team. I think I was, I was, you always hear about this, this rich tradition that Transylvania has. Um, and it was really intriguing to me how connected and, and knowledgeable some of the guys on the team were to that history. Um, and, and they wanted to be a part of it. You know, we had an alumni event here on campus where we were fortunate enough. We had a former coach, Charlie Spiegel was out. He was here for I don't know, almost 20 years, I think, and, and really started this thing moving. Um, we had a guy from the first ever rendition of men's soccer here at Transylvania, and, and wow. the guys were were knowledgeable of you know all of the, the records and the players that had come before them. So um, I was really pleasantly surprised by the connection between um, alumni and the current program. I think that that was really powerful. I, mm-hmm would go to random places and they, they, I'd get questions. Oh, hey, I know this guy and he knows you. And I, I was up recruiting this past weekend and got another couple stories from another guy that was at that event. So um, really continuing to learn how connected uh, the alumni are here at, for Transylvania. A lot of them still in Lexington. Um, and just the desire of guys here to continue that level of success. Uh, I know a lot of them were really broken up about you know their, their performance last year. And so it was it was personal to them to to really correct this and and move it forward. And as a coach, man, that's that's all you want is a guy that's that's willing to give everything to to that cause to win a game. Um, you know, we, we were able to beat center for the first time in about five years this year. Um, and some of the emotions for these guys that, that have grown up, you know, within an hour radius of, of Danville and Lexington. And it just meant so much to them. So to see that emotion come out of them. Uh, there's one guy in particular, Tyler Dobbs, is was a fifth-year senior for us that uh, just was showed everything you could possibly want in, in grit out of a kid this year. So, mm-hmm. um, 
those individual desires were, were really cool for me to see this year. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Like the last thing you want is guys who don't care about that sort of stuff. Right. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the kiss of death. Right. And like you, cause you can't get somebody to care. Right. Like, right. So, um, yeah, you it sounds like you stepped into a really great place and, mm-hmm. you know, um, with a great, great group of group of guys. Okay, so just shifting a little bit, you had four ties in this year. I'm sure you know where this is going. Do you have any thoughts on those overtime changes? Did you, or lack thereof, did you like it? Did you not like it? Did you, would you have preferred to go into OT and settle it on the field or? Uh... I think there were a couple of those ties that if we had gone to overtime, I, I feel really good about our chances to get all three points. And I know our our guys were really you know disappointed in that as, as an opportunity. They felt like it was taken from them, that we were knocking on the door a few times there that we, we felt like we could have gotten the job done. Um, as a coach, it, it, it sounds strange, but it almost makes me – accept the fact that, hey, we just got to be better. Um, so I'm, I'm not here to, you know, propose any any different changes or anything. I'll let people that are smarter than me hand down those rules. I think that, you know, last game of the regular season game of the year, we tied. Um, and part of me knew if we went an extra 20, we'd probably get one and get the win. Um, but part of me thought, you know what, we're going into the postseason. I'm, I'm not too upset about having some, some extra rest on our legs. Um, so I can see it both ways. I think that more so the guys were really frustrated a few times yeah. this year. They went, yeah, coach, we had, we, give us five more minutes and we get that. Um, yeah. And so I, I feel for them. I do think we could, we could have upped it, you know, that, that win column a couple more times. But mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, if you don't get the job done in 90, you don't get the job done. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit of a learning experience as we move forward that you don't get those extra 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Do um, you think, do you think it, Do you think either you or like any of the opponents that you t- or other opponents that you played like they played with the this idea that they would be satisfied with a tie and sort of did things to hey at a minimum we're going to tie we're not going to lose we're just going to tie right like I'm not yeah. saying like purposely go for a tie but you know, if your thinking is, hey, I'm satisfied with one point versus three, to me, it does sort of mentally change your approach to how you're attacking and things like that. Yeah, I think that that deals more so in conference for us. Um, mm-hmm. There is, a, you know, one of our tiebreakers is that the tie, if you tie in the regular season for head-to-head, the tiebreaker goes to the away team. Um, mm-hmm. So certainly, I'm sure there are teams that, that would use that to your advantage as you would any rule in the rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I saw it at all in non-conference where we had, I think three of our four ties. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know we, we went down to Georgia and played Barry to a zero, zero tie and mm-hmm. uh, they were a good team. And that we just, that was just a battle back and forth mm-hmm. um, that I don't think anybody was truly trying to sit in the non-conference. Uh, right. And then in conference, it's all about results. So different, different yeah. programs are going to, 
you know, if they if they don't think they can match up with you going in high pressing, then then why would they? Um, I don't I don't want to look down on anybody's tactical decisions to to sit and hold if that's what how they get results. That's how they get results. Um, at the end of the day, you, you still got to do the job, whatever that is. Um, so for me, I didn't see any intentional. Hey, we're only going for a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when they sat in, they just sat in as a mark of respect to us that that was how they have to play to get a result against us. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, you come from the OAC, right? You were at Marietta as an assistant six years. I don't hold that against you. You were a player at Mar- Marietta. I still don't hold that against you. Kind of like you. You're a good guy. I'm not sure I believe that 100%. I think there's a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should because I asked you a second time to interview, right? Um, yeah. If I ignore, I don't like. That's sort of my just general rule of thumb with anything. So if I ignore okay. you, yeah. Um, no, but like what? Where would you say the Heartland Conference, the HCAC, falls in relation to the OAC competitively, soccer-wise? I'm asking because I don't know. I watched. I think I watched a couple of halves of your during the season, and mm-hmm. just not sure that I got a good grasp of what the conference is like. Like because I watched the OAC just yeah. by default a little bit more. Uh, it's tough for me because I think that you've got some, obviously the OAC, I, I think to be blunt, the OAC top to bottom is a, is a better conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't say that there are, there aren't teams in the heartland that can't go up and beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Hanover regularly plays some OAC schools and, you know, when they went to the sweet 16 last year, they, they beat schools, mm-hmm. uh, in the OAC. Um, you might have to fact check me on that one, but I know over the past three, four years, just, seeing that name pop up in, in some victories against some, some big OAC schools, it's there. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you get to the, the top few teams in a conference and they're going to be good. Um, you know, so it's, I would say top to bottom OAC is better. Uh, but you also have a lot more schools on grass in the heartland, which I think really changes, changes the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think in the OAC, um, Really, Heidelberg is the only one with any regularity that plays on on a grass field. Uh, where in the Heartland, you've got several schools, uh, pretty much half of them that that are on grass fields. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that, that as you go through a conference and and inevitably with a grass field in the Midwest, it doesn't you know always hold up the best towards the end of the season. So it changes the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, I have all the respect in the world for for. The coaches here in the Heartland Conference, uh, but I think that the spot that I sit in is a little bit unique. Where uh, we're a program that I think should be in the top three of the Heartland every single year. Right. Um, and it's hard to break into that for the rest of them. Whereas you look at the OAC, there's a, a lot more parity uh, from top to bottom. Um, I mean, John Carroll won the conference tournament now what five six years in a row, but Ohio Northern had an undefeated OAC season in the regular season and they went and, and just bowed out, uh, I think in the sweet 16. So um, 16, yeah. I think There's you've got, yeah, you've got more top level teams in the OAC teams that mm-hmm. anybody can beat anybody on any given day, uh, where I think the pecking order is a little bit more established here in the Heartland. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get an automatic bid if you win the tournament? Yep. 
Yeah, yep. so that's how Hanover. I mean, I don't know their record or anything, but right because they so, went to the they got the bid. No, uh, Rose Holman did this year. Rose Holman, that's it. Yep. That's it. Yep. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I think you just by the nature you see a lot more at-large bids come out of the OAC. I'm not familiar mm -hmm. with when the last time the Heartland would have gotten an at-large bid. I think that yeah. uh, there are teams that towards the bottom, the, the strength of schedule makes it tough to get a yeah, um, yeah. that at-large bid here out of this conference. Yeah. Um, got another question for you that's probably for higher pay grades. So I started talking about this idea of extending the season Mm -hmm. On the front end and the back end, but well, I was saying the front end, you know, by a week. So you get an extra week of preseason before your first game. Turns out that there's some folks who are working on it, basically mimicking college football or D Division three football. So you start a week earlier and then you finish a week later and the tournament, everything gets pushed out. Yeah. Kind of and, and mimics the calendar for the. Division three, and I always just so with the caveat that, you know, like NESCAC operates completely differently. So I'm I'm not including those guys, and, and yeah. there's probably others I just don't know about. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Would you would that be something you would welcome? Yeah, I mean, I time in preseason. I, I'm always going to take more time. Um, that's I think any coach would tell you that they would take more time with their team to get them prepared and. And having some more time to play all of these games, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, I think every every team goes through a period of time where, you know, they got injuries, they got bumps and bruises and tired legs, and they go into at least a game or two every single year where they're just going, man, we're just going to have to hold on to this one. Um, mm -hmm. So anytime you get more time, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I think that that's, if we're truly trying to, to up the level of play at Division Three. I think you've seen in the past decade the, the quality of players increase dramatically. Oh, yeah. Um, and now I think it's almost, as coaches, sometimes we feel handcuffed where mm -hmm. we have a certain amount of time to get these games in, and do we want to just put them back-to-back to, back to max out the number of games we get and maybe put our guys at a deficit when it comes to the, the physical battles if, you're not, if you don't have the proper depth? Or do you maybe space those out a little bit more and not max out the number of games possible for, for your kids to play in their career? Mm -hmm. But they go into those games a little bit fresher. Um, yeah. So extending that time period, I think, allows that balance to be there as a coach. Um, I know guys on both spectrums, guys that say, hey, we are going to play the maximum amount of games every single year uh, yeah. because our guys deserve that opportunity. And then yeah. there are guys that say, well, I want my guys to be at their tip-top shape when we do go into a game. So they play a few less. Um, yeah. So I think that if you open that up um, – Obviously, you're you're getting a whole another can of worms with logistics and finances and who yeah, pays yeah, that yeah. bill and That's all that. Pay grade but, stuff, man. Pay grade yeah. stuff. <laughs> those, those are, again, those are the problems for people that they're a lot smarter than I am. Um, but I, if, if you're going to give me more days to work with my guys, and yeah. I think most importantly, the guys would love that. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest adjustment for kids coming in from mm. club soccer, where you are just year round, continuous, yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah. And then you get into college and you realize at the Division three level, it's, you have some time off. They, they, yeah. you know, we have guys out here on a regular basis, you know, at open fields and, and, and doing mm -hmm. things with the ball to get their workouts in and work on their touch. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's futsal, like we got a tech ball table. Um, mm -hmm. They crave those additional hours, those additional days yeah. to, to do things because they love it. Um, yeah. 
So if we're doing right by them, I, I'm all for it. Okay, let's talk about the season. All right. All right, so the year before you came, you were 5-8-2. and two, And then in your first year, like I mentioned, you were 9-6-4. and four. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it was a case of like a turnaround, or do you think it was just a maturity level? You mentioned just sort of desire and hunger by the guys on the team to do better because they were embarrassed. I mean, what would you attribute that to? Going from five to nine and Yeah. I, I think for me it's I think we did a good job this year of getting everybody understanding what the goal was. Uh to call it a turnaround, I think, is a little bit of a, of an insult to the guys that were already here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no secret that when I walked in the door here we had we had talent still. It was it was yeah. more of an anomaly that they had a bad year than it was anything else. Um but I do think that, you know, we brought in a lot of a lot of young talent, a lot of young bodies that that push those guys maybe to, to some different levels of, of discomfort, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you, you know, need that. Like, exactly. I hate to say, you need it. Yeah. Like we say you need that level of discomfort day in and day out. But anyhow. And I, th- and I think it, it worked really well. Um, you know, like any other team, we weathered some injuries where, you know, we had, um, I think, um, I think four or three of our six seniors um, at one point or another were out for a couple games in a row. And so we needed those younger guys to step up. Now, at the end of the day, you know, we got into that semifinal at the end of the year and, and our seniors were right there leading the way for us. Um, one of our fifth years had um, a couple assists in the postseason that, that, you know, really played well for us. Um, so we couldn't do it without those seniors. Don't get me wrong. They, they played a massive part. Um, but I think it was just getting back to the basics and, and bringing in those bodies and that additional talent to push guys on a regular basis so that the training environment, that, that competitiveness, that high energy uh, can mirror more closely what it looks like in a, in a game environment. Um, and I think that that's what resulted in more wins throughout the years. Again, just a higher quantity of talent, not mm-hmm. um, not to say anything negative about the guys that were already here. They, yeah, I think yeah, they yeah. were a good piece of that. Uh, but we, you, you always need more. Division three soccer, as we just talked about, yeah. comes at you so fast mm-hmm. um, that to be able to have some guys to rotate in is is great. Um, we only had one kid on the team start every single game this year. Yeah. So being able to use that talent and that depth um, to just give guys breaks so that by the end of the season they feel better, yeah. I think that had a big, big reason, or that was a big piece of, of the reason we had more wins this year. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think – you need guys, you, you need to be able to comfortably be like, I got 25 guys who can, that I know I could go to and put them on the field and they know what they're going to, they have to do. They know, you know, they might be super young and they might make young mistakes, right? But mm-hmm. I know that I can count on them to f- plug a hole if I need to plug a hole, especially, like you said, injuries and whatnot to key guys. Yeah. And over a season, the way it's built now, you know, there is a benefit to having guys just sort of, you know what, you're you're sort of done for today, you know, like, why don't you just mm-hmm. rest, right? Because, again, you make it to postseason like you guys did into the tournament, into the, um, the Heartland tournament. Like, that's valuable when you have guys who are rested and recovered. And you need a bench for that. And um, I think there's – I've heard a couple different coaches say sometimes you got to protect players from themselves. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that guy I was the that, guy that is yeah. – 
you know, 65, 70% and is just, mm-hmm. but he's a grinder and he wants to go get the yeah. job done. Yeah. Um, we had a few of those this year that yeah. um, I had to sit him down and say, Hey, just trust me here. I, I, you yeah. know, we still love you. This is not a punishment. This is yeah. me wanting to put your best interests and, and longevity in the game yeah. ahead of today. Um, yeah. And I, I, again, that's, I would have hated that as a player. Oh, I never wanted God. to come off the field, uh, so I, I don't expect them to like it all the time. But yeah. uh, hopefully, as as you know, I continue to get more years under my belt, that uh, that track record proves itself that we have guys that come out of here and and finish their career in, in you know in good physical health. Um, yeah, we had yeah. again, we had a kid that early in the season sat a couple games when we were just kind of being precautious and and making sure that he was going to be okay. Um, and then we got to the last, I don't know, I'll say five minutes of that semifinal game, and he was kind of gimping around. And uh, my assistant just said his name real quick, and he gave us the hand wave of there's no way you're taking him <laughs> off the field right now. But that's what you want, right? Like, that's exactly. you want to get him to that spot. Because if you didn't sit him, who knows? He doesn't yep. even get to play that game, right? Exactly. And, and that's if, if they're willing to, to take some minutes off early in the year, um, I am by all means willing to give them that leash at the end of the year to, yeah, you know, yeah. in this case, it was this guy's last game. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to take him off the field at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And it, and it, it seemed like you lost to, to Hanover, right? Hanover. Mm-hmm. You lost to him two one, but you lost to him during the regular season four one, if I recall. Yep. So it, I not having watched the game, I, I'll just assume that man, it was a lot tighter, and probably there were some opportunities. And yeah, I could see a guy, you know, that it's not five minutes left; the game's not lost yet, right? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it was. I think we made some some different tactical decisions going into that second game. Um, mm-hmm. But our guys, I think they, they knew in game one we did not play very well. Right. Um, we were we were pretty flat. We were on a. I don't know, five, six game win streak at the time. And mm-hmm. um, I think we were feeling pretty good about ourselves and, and kind of forgot the basics of how we prepare and execute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the postseason game was was a close one. Yeah. Uh, we, we had, I think, a corner kick and a, a couple long throws or something like that in the last minute of the game where mm-hmm. I, I really felt like we were going to, you know, knock one in and tie it up. But yeah. uh, ball doesn't bounce your way some days. But, no, I think yeah. the – the the progress in mentality and in execution from game one to game two against them was was really big for us this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said it before. Soccer can be a very humbling game. When you think you're all that and you're thinking, hey, look, we won five in a row. It teaches you a lesson in a way that you don't want to be taught. You know? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Just the way it is. It's the weirdest thing. Um. So, so based on, based on this past season, I, I'm going to say too, like, it looks to me like you're on the younger, younger side of a roster, right? You only have, I think I counted six, maybe seven, I can't recall, um, seniors or graduate mm-hmm. students. And I don't know the returnees and all that stuff, yeah. but um, what, what, what are, you know, what is the one thing or the couple things that you're already in your mind, you knew like, this is something that we have to improve if we're going to keep making progress, um, you know, up the ladder. Um, you talk about going into to next year? Into next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the two big things for me 
are consistency and leadership. Um, consistency just in when you have a young team, you, you expect those rookie mistakes or those young mistakes. And um, I'm, I've told the guys I, I'm okay all of the time if those are physical. Um, but if they're mental mistakes, if we're not really prepared for training mentally or we're not prepared for a game or, or you know, present and engaged, those are the things we have to get better at. Um, and I don't think it was ever a, a complete disengagement from an entire group of guys. But, right. you know, if four of them over here are a little bit disengaged today and then tomorrow it's a different four, I think it's yeah, um, yeah. that that consistency in the training environment is one thing for me still that um, – improved throughout the year but still needs to to hit another level uh and then leadership uh just because we lose so much uh you you know you nailed it we have six seniors that uh three of them being fifth years that are now gone um and that is a big void to fill especially when the majority of this team is still going to be sophomores and freshmen next year uh with a yeah. small group of juniors and seniors so yeah. to me i think it's really working with the guys we have here and defining what those expectations truly are for, for our leaders. Um, mm. And it doesn't have to be a captain all the time. I think that there's always um, on good teams, there are always those guys that may not wear the armband, but have a voice in the locker room. And when, when mm. they say something, yeah. people listen. Uh, so yeah. those are the things I think just with a young group that if we can nail those down and improve mm. those over the course of the spring and, again into the fall, uh, that's really what's going to dictate, I think, how much success we have going forward. I feel good about the level of talent. I feel good about, um, you know, what our what our recruiting class might look like here once we wrap it up. Uh, but again, to me, it's it's the expectations, the leadership and and coming into work every single day. You look at the top teams in the nation, they, they don't they don't take days off. They don't have these uh, lulls where they just don't do anything at practice or, or walk out onto a field, not ready. Uh, so that is again, consistency and leadership to me. Yeah. So the cool, I thought was the coolest thing the, to your point, like guys don't take off, like you don't take off even though the season's over. I spoke to Joe Mangachos of Western Connecticut. Um, oh, yeah, last week. And um, while we while while I was doing the interview, they right they they had, they're a week they're not even a week they were like five days or something out out of the their season over they got snubbed in the tournament they went twenty zero and two I think it was they didn't they didn't get a, a bid and we were talking going back and forth you know and uh, the door opens up behind them and two of his guys snuck in and grabbed a bag of balls. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a difference maker to me. Five days out, I, you know, mm -hmm. there are guys, there are guys who are taking a rest and there are guys who are not. And the guys who are not are the ones who make the difference. So, um, yeah. Hey, so what does your recruiting cr class look like? like like what are you are you looking for specifics are you look i mean obviously you're looking for guys to complement your what you have now but do you are you are you are you basically searching for something in particular or i i still think we are young enough that that you know we talked about the discomfort in, in training sessions mm -hmm. and, and you know just the, the normal 
training environment. Uh, we're looking for guys yeah. all over that can come in and push us. Um, we, yeah. we have some good talent returning. We have some young guys that I expect to take some bigger roles next year. Um, mm -hmm. But we still very much need um, a good class of people and a good class of players to come in and continue to to push and drive that that competitive um, gene in our program. Uh, we lose a lot of attacking players um, from this year's team, so we're looking to, to add a lot of those types of guys. But um, there's not really too many positions on the field that I wouldn't take a really quality kid right now. Um, we've yeah. all been through this and seen how just because you have a great freshman year, sophomore year, doesn't mean yeah, that yeah. that you know correlates to a great four-year career. Um, and so, to me, we're still an unproven quantity with some of the younger guys that hey, you, you checked the box once you did what you needed to do. Mm. Can you continue to, to do what you just said, which is mm. come in and put in the work, you know, are yeah. you willing to show up and whether it's coming out here and, and banging a ball around on the field or yeah. um, going in and playing futsal or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, there's still a large majority of our team that uh, has not proven themselves mm. in an off season just because they haven't been through it yet. Yeah. So, very uh, true. Gonna, That's a great point. That's um, a great point. The the guys that you could, I don't want to say lose, right? That's not the right thing. But the guys who are could be the quickest to disconnect are, are, are the freshmen because they have yeah. no experience in it, right? They have no mm -hmm. no understanding of like what the expectation now is. Like, hey, I'm, yeah. I can't tell you to go to the gym, but I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah. I know who goes to the gym, right? Yeah. Like silly stuff like that. And I know who comes in here and wants to watch film or wants to knock a ball or I, I know. So yeah. yeah and those are the freshmen, those are, like I said, those are the habits that we hope to instill that we hope yeah. um, they take advantage of. But again, for me, you know, coming in halfway through the year last year, basically, um, you know, got a chance to really affect the recruiting, but um, mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have um, as deep of relationships. I'll say with those recruits is what I, what I felt like I would have in a normal year. Um, and that's just, the timing of it all. That's, that's not, um, yeah. anything else. So I think as we move forward, the guys that, that want to have those good habits and, and want to work on those things, yeah. whether it's just something as simple as, you know, making sure we don't miss class or you're eating the right things yeah, or you're yeah. taking care of your body, whatever it yeah. might be. You're um, still an athlete. You're yeah. still an athlete, even when the season's over. Right. And you mm -hmm. got to treat yourself that way. And, and I'll give the guys credit. I know that, that they've been out there doing some things and, um, you know, I've had to, you know, help the guys get some balls out here on occasion uh, the, the last couple weeks as we finished up the season. Um, so I think they're hungry. And now it's it's more about us as a coaching staff to to educate them on on how they can work hard and what, what mm -hmm. they can do to can yeah. continue to improve themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let, I just, I may have asked this before, but, well, maybe you know more now, but what is your what is Transy's um, like? Rec what's your recruiting footprint like? Like what? Where do you go? And you know, because again, Mount Union is a you know Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Right. I don't know. Yeah, we're pretty heavily Kentucky right now. Um, uh -huh. You know, through Lexington, Northern Kentucky, and into Louisville. Um, I believe we can reach up. You know, we've got. A couple kids uh, out of the Ohio area, um, Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, mm -hmm. definitely. Uh, we've had a good contingency of Cup and Kingshammer, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's now Lexington Sporting Club instead of Lexington Football Club, Lou City. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, um, reaching down into Tennessee occasionally. And then mm-hmm. to me, I think our academics are, are good enough to, to really open up that scope a little bit, a little yeah. bit wider. Um, yeah. You know, we're in conversations with guys from, I'll say, six or seven other states that, that haven't been mentioned um, mm-hmm. and trying to sort out exactly kind of where they fit into everything. Is it, um, yeah. are, are they uh, ready for this commitment? Are they ready for, for what we're looking to do? Um, mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then great, let's bring them in. Uh, I, I am a firm believer that you want to have people from different backgrounds and different areas and, and different experiences. Cause I just think that's what one college is all about. And then college athletics can take that to a different level. So uh, for me, it's, it's hopefully, you know, we got, we're in a great spot, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, you got some really good soccer in that, in that region. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that you're not, you're not fishing in a dry pond, you know, no. like it's, you got, you got a lot of, lot of possibility there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, coach, I'm going to give you the back the rest of your day. Really do appreciate you taking the time. It's wonderful talking to yeah. you. Um, send me the link for your store when you open it up. Will uh, do. You know, I got to get some transit gear of some sort. Maybe not the hat. The hats are overwhelming right now. All so, right. We can find yeah. something else for you. That's not yeah, a problem. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I look good in any soccer gear. That's just that's just there me. You go. That's just me. Yeah. But thank you very much. Do appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah.